you know, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But as you gain experience in your soul winning, you need to learn how to focus on the real areas where the individual needs help. And that's why it's important to ask them questions, to get them talking, to find out where their hangup is. Because a lot of newer soul winners too, in their zeal to just kind of get things right and be thorough, they often waste a lot of time on areas that really aren't necessary. And we need to understand when people give you an opportunity, when they give you that opening, when you say, hey, can I show you in the Bible? And they say yes. I mean, they've given you a great opportunity right there. And you know what? They didn't give you unlimited time at that point. Okay? Especially when you say, it only takes a few minutes. Okay? You know, you need to only spend a few minutes. And if if they're open and giving you more time and asking questions, you know, learn how to read body language. Learn how to just have a little bit of tact and, you know, when, and just, you know, don't preach to them for an hour. If they're, you can tell they're trying to get rid of you. We have a very passive culture and people will let you stand there and drive them crazy. They really will. And we don't want to do that to people. We want to really make a difference. So when people give me their time, I want to use it wisely. I want to have a big impact. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about something that they already know and that they already understand. I, I, and I think we make a mistake there. So we want to use our time wisely. And we got to understand, too, when it comes to Catholics, there's two kind of Catholics that we're running into most of the time. You have those who are Catholic by birth, and they have no idea why they're Catholic. Now, those ones are usually very open to the gospel, you know, because they, they don't know what they believe. And they're pretty sure they're probably on their way to hell because they're not a very good Catholic. So those people, when you come to them, it's like, hey, guess what? You don't have to go to the, that confessional booth and talk to that pervy priest. You know what? They're like, I don't. You know, they're, they're excited. They're usually glad to hear it. It's good news for them. Now, the one who's doing the confession all the time, the one who's doing all the sacraments, who's being a good Catholic, they're more difficult. You have those Catholics who, you know, not only are they Catholic by conviction, you know, they know what they believe. They can be a little more difficult to win. And that's kind of who I want to focus on uh, in this message is just some things to help you with those who are. They're Catholic by conviction. They know what they believe. This is, that's what this message is focused on. So here's some points that you, know, you need to make to a Catholic. Now, some of these, they can figure out, they, they might know. You know. There's always exceptions. No two people are exactly alike, alike. But at the same time, these are points that they need to understand. And the first one is that there is none good. And a lot of people, they'll say, well, I, I get we're all sinners, but I'm a good Catholic. But no, when the Bible is saying that there's none good, it's very clear you're not getting into heaven by your works. You know, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible is very clear about that. And whatever religious system you're in, you know, all religious systems are work-based. You have faith-based and work-based systems. Everything you can be put in those two categories. And so when people are talking and when they're in a works-based system, you've got to show them what the Bible says about their works. That they come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And so a lot of, while a lot of Catholics get the fact that, okay, yes, I've sinned, but they often think that they've made up for their sins by their confessions. 
by their doing of the sacraments. They are not relying on Christ to cleanse them of their sins. They're not relying on His blood. And proof of that is the fact that they believe in a works-based system. And the truth is, if a person truly understands how bad their sin is, then they're going to understand works aren't going to do anything. And we can show them all the verses too about not of works and things like and, and things like that, and that's good. We should show them those. But you know, a lot of times too, you have to make it clear to these people just how bad their sin is. You need to show them how bad their goodness is and how all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You know, they need to understand the whole purpose of a of a holy God. And the one thing that Catholics all affirm is the virgin birth of Christ. You know, you ask, why did he have to be born of a virgin? You know why? Because all men get that sin nature from their father that goes all the way back to Adam. But Jesus Christ, he was the son of God. He didn't have that sin nature. And you can't get to heaven by, you know, by your works. Your righteousness are too wrong. They're filthy rags. And then Catholics too. Well, as long as you don't do the big ones, right? As long as, well, you know, I've never killed anybody. As long as you're not stealing. But you know what? James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. You see, what they've, what they've done, they've kind of come up with a justice system that fits our society. You know? And you don't go to prison for every sin, just the big ones, right? But the thing is, God is a holy and righteous God and all sin, all uncleanness is abominable to Him. And while our society, we don't see certain sins as so bad, God sees all of them is bad and so they are guilty of all and in verse 11 says for he that said do not commit adultery and the he that said it was god said also do not kill now if thou committed no adultery yet if thou kill thou art become a transgressor of the law so yeah you might not have done the one sin but if you've done the other sin still a transgressor of the law and that's what they've got to get a hold of and the fact that they are a transgressor of the law they are not worthy. And there is no system that you can find in the Bible that shows them, while they have sin, of being worthy of salvation. It's just not there. That's a good thing, too, to just kind of throw at them. Say, you know, can you show me some place in the Bible that you know, tells you that you, know, you just have to avoid this sin, that sin, or whatever, to prove you're not saved, or to prove you are going to heaven? And first off, they're not going to be able to do it. But even if they try, even if they make an attempt, well, yeah, as long as it's not just the big ones, that's where you go to places like James 2, 10 and 11. And show, you know what? We've all, you know, broken a law. And I know this, you know, this one, you know, the, the showing people they're a sinner is one that most people don't need a whole lot of time on. And I've seen people take a lot of time with this. But where there could be an exception is with that Catholic who sees themselves as a really good Catholic. And one of the things I always like to do too, even with Catholics, is I like to just to bring up their own systems. Like, well, do you do confession every time you're supposed to? Have you kept up with that? You know, what if you don't keep up with it? You know, have you been to Mass every week? And you, do, and you have those ones, I go every day. You know, and, you know, and those people are tough, man. I mean, they... We do run into those ones that they see themselves as really good. I talked to the one when we first started the church out here. And I mentioned we were starting a Baptist church. We hadn't even started yet. 
And he was just like, I'm not going to that church. I belong to the one true holy Catholic church. He's like, the Catholic church is the only true church. God built that church on Peter, the rock of the church. And I was like, well, you know, I... I, I disagree with how you're interpreting that passage. And, and you know, I said, you know, just I tried to give him a chance to give him the gospel and everything. And he wouldn't hear me. And he just said, you have no idea what it's like to be a wonderful Catholic in an area like this surrounded by a bunch of tattooed infidels. And, you know, and I started noticing. I think everybody's got tattoos out here, you know. But <laughs> I, I started noticing that uh, then during that time. But at the same time, you know what? He's just as lost as the tattooed infidels. You know why? He's trusting in his righteousness to get him to heaven. And he slammed the door in my face. And uh, that, was, that was an interesting thing. But people like that are tough. But you know what? He's, he's, not even, he's not a wonderful person in the eyes of God. In his own eyes, he is. And you've got to show people that. And so those are kind of a rare one. But they're there. This is a big one too, though, that we already looked at in 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6. There is only one mediator. And, you know, usually when we go knock on people's doors, we're not there to just trash their church and to trash their system. We're there to tell them about Jesus Christ. And I'll say a little more about this at the end. But the thing is, these, the, the Catholic people, they are trusting in a system. They are trusting in men other than Christ. They are many times blindly following their priests. We've talked to those people that they do. They trust what their priest is telling them. And they do, they go, I've had, I've had them tell me before too, you know, I try to go, I go over everything with them like, well, I want to talk to my priest about this. And it's just like, that's not going to go over well. But, but you know why they're doing that? You see, you and I, and I'm getting ahead of myself here. When somebody challenges us on something, we say, oh, I'm going to go look, check with the Scriptures. Because that's our authority. They go to the priest. That's their authority. And I'll, I'll say more about that in the final point. But you've got to show them what the Bible says about one mediator. Because a lot of Catholics give lip service to the Bible being God's Word and that we should follow the Bible. But First Timothy 2, 5, and 6 is very clear. There is one God... And one mediator between God and man. And a priest is literally trying to be another mediator. And that he has no right to do that. There is no, there is no place for that. That is completely against what the Bible says. 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things I write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So notice, if we sin, you know what? We should confess our sins. He just said that in the previous verses. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But who do we confess those sins to? Jesus. Directly. We directly go to Jesus Christ. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. And when a person sins, yes, they should go directly to Christ. And there is verses in the Bible about confessing your faults one to another. And there's nothing wrong with us as, as individuals keeping each other accountable. But at the end of the day, the only one that can forgive sins is Jesus Christ. We might, use, we might try to help each other confess our faults so people can you know, lift us up. They can help us through difficult times. 
But we don't go to other people for forgiveness. And we don't have to have that. It might be a good thing to have you know, people, accountability partners and things like that. But at the end of the day, there's one mediator and the Bible couldn't be more clear on that. And it's Jesus Christ. He's it. They add the, the Catholic priest. They add the Pope. They also add Mary. Okay? Now, what is it that you often hear too? You know, you, and whenever you listen to the, uh, the, the Catholic apologists and stuff, and I've listened to some of that stuff on the radio before, but they do, they like to appeal to, you know, your emotions and your nature and things. And they'll say, you know, when you got in trouble as a child, when you messed up, who'd you typically run to in that situation? Mom or dad? Typically we run to mom. Because, you know, mom, she's kind of the more gentle one. She's the more compassionate one. You know, where dad, he's often kind of hard on you and kind of stern. And that's kind of how Jesus is. You know, he's kind of hard on us. And so, you know what? We run to Mother Mary and then she intercedes to Jesus. So he'll go easy on us. And all that sounds so cute, wonderful and loving and all that kind of stuff. But folks, that is not in the Bible. That is completely foreign to the scriptures. And that might be true in many homes, but that is not what we see in the Bible. And that is what they're teaching. We should not pray to Mary. We shouldn't do that. And listen, whenever you're talking to Catholics, you know, we don't need to go bashing Mary. She was a wonderful woman. She is called a blessed virgin in the Bible, but we don't, so we don't need to go trashing Mary, but at the same time too, we don't want to take truths about Mary and then jump to false conclusions with them. And, and a few good verses too to show Catholics about Mary is Luke eleven twenty seven says, and it came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. But he said, yea, rather, Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Notice how this woman, kind of the first Catholic, she what does she do? She lifts up Mary. She starts praising her. And and you know what? Jesus, you know, he's like, hey, yeah, she's she's a blessed woman. He didn't rebuke her for what she said, but he's like, hey, you want to know something that's even better than that? They that hear the word of God and keep it. You know what, you know what he did? He just he downplayed it. He didn't he didn't bash his mom. And say, oh, let me tell you a few things about my mom. And I'm sure he could have done that. Mary Mary was not perfect. And so we don't need to go trashing Mary. But at the same time, you know, we don't, uh, you know, they need to understand she is not someone that's to be lifted up and exalted above or even equal to or even close to Jesus Christ. Luke 146, Mary speaking here after she, you know, finds out or um, after she visits with Elizabeth, Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. She magnified the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary had to have a Savior too. Now, she was. She was a very special woman. She is the one that God chose to give birth to the Savior. Let's not take that away from her. It says, For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth shall all generations call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. So Mary was a blessed virgin, but understand, it was God that did great things through her. She magnified the Lord. She didn't magnify herself. 
I mean, she looked at herself thinking, why would God do this to me? And so, you know, we need to understand while she is very special, what made her great was God magnified her. God did these things through her and she glorified God. She rejoiced in God, her savior. And she, and so we call her blessed. What a privilege it was for her to be used like that. But at the same time, nowhere do we see any evidence in here that she's someone we should pray to. That when we sin, we say Hail Marys to. We, we shouldn't do that. She was someone who needed a Savior just like the rest of us. She was just privileged to give birth to the Savior. Just as Joseph was privileged to be stepfather to the Savior. That, that was a great privilege. And I, and I don't think that it's necessary to just try to bash them and put them down or anything like that. That's not right. Matthew twelve forty six says, While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. doesn't look like Jesus exalted that position above anything that it should have. He understood there's more important things. You know what? Yes, that was his physical mother. You know, yes, those were his physical brethren. But you know what's more important? Spiritual brethren. Spiritual family. That's what's really important. That's what Jesus Christ lifted up. That's what he exalted. Matthew 13, 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. Mary went on to live a normal life as a wife and as a mother. And so while she was a blessed virgin, and while we all call her blessed, she didn't stay a virgin. She had other children. It goes on in Matthew one twenty three. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted as God with us. And that happened. Jesus came. He was born. But then in verse 25, talking about Joseph, says, And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So Joseph never knew his wife in a physical sense while she was with child. Not until after Jesus was born. Why? Because he needed to remain holy and, and pure, and so that never. But after that, they went on to live a normal married life, and th- there was nothing wrong in Mary doing that. But the Catholics try to teach she continued to be a virgin, and that's just not the case. She lived a normal life. She went on, and she died like everyone else. She did not ascend to heaven. Or anything like that, you know, without dying, she, she died like everyone else. So there's only one mediator. And while we do see Mary as a special woman, only one mediator between God and man, it's Jesus Christ. And when you add another mediator, you know what you're doing? You're adding to the gospel in a way that completely changes it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so if you're going to credit your priest and trust in your priest that he knows what he's doing and he's doing all the right stuff that he, you know, I mean, he's, you know, you're just trusting in him to give you last rites and all those things to make sure you get 
to heaven and have to do as little time in purgatory as possible, you're not trusting in Jesus Christ. No man, we have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. And that's why we do. When we go out soul winning, we, even though we invite people to our church, ultimately why we're out there is to point people directly to Jesus Christ. And when you're talking to a Catholic, you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to remove those mediators that they have, that they're trusting in because they need to understand they have direct access to the Father through Jesus. And if they have these priests, if they're looking to marry, that's going to stop them. Just like the Pharisees in the Bible, they were, they were shutting people out of the kingdom of God. And a lot of deceived, unknowing people were doing what these priests said and they were going to go to hell. They were making people twofold more a child of hell. And you know what? Jesus came and preached the truth. And we've got to preach the truth to these people because if they keep following these other mediators, they're going to go to hell. And these things are in their, they are in their way. So Jesus Christ, He is our priest. I do believe that God continued the priesthood of the Old Covenant, or I should, but I believe He also, in continuing it, reformed it. And He removed the Levitical priesthood that had a lot of problems and he replaced it with the priesthood after the order of melchizedek jesus christ and so jesus christ is the only priest that that we should have that we should look to jesus christ is it and all these other priests that are out there today they are counterfeit priests they are not to be called father in first peter 5 verse 1 it says the elders which are among you i exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. So notice here he's referring to an elder in the church. And we would often compare to a pastor. This is just someone who's in leadership, whose responsibility is to feed the flock, to teach the word of God. But notice what he goes on to say, neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. An elder in a church, a pastor or a leader in a church is supposed to be an example. You know what that means? That means we're supposed to be doing what everybody else is supposed to be doing. We're supposed to show people how to do that. And just like I have direct access to the Father through Jesus Christ, you do too. And I don't need to, I shouldn't add myself in, in there. It's wrong for me to do that. I'm not a Lord over God's heritage. And then it says, when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourself un, unto the elder. Yea, all of ye be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. So we do. We have people on this earth that are in leadership that we follow to a certain extent. And I'm going to be talking about that tonight, about following man, but not following off a cliff. And that's what a lot of people are doing, especially in the Catholic Church. They're following men, but they're following them right into hell. And while God does use people in different areas, God has never taught just blind loyalty, you know, blind following. We're supposed to follow people as they're, they're following Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And people veer off all the time. People, and, and you know what? The way I look at it, you know, as long as the person you're following, you see Jesus Christ in front of them, you can keep following. But again, when you see Jesus Christ going one way, you see them going another way, you don't follow them anymore. Now you follow 
you, you, you're going to follow Jesus Christ. That's very important we understand that. But that's not what is being taught in the Catholic Church. We see in Matthew 23, verse 9, it says, And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. And obviously, if a child calls their earthly father, father, they're not in sin. This is showing a spiritual title here. We should not grant that title uh, in a spiritual way to any man on this earth. We, we shouldn't do that. One is our father, which is in heaven. But what are they literally calling the priest? Father. I, I refuse to do that. Okay? I've been around priests before. I don't call them father. I, I, refuse to call, I, I refuse to call them that. One, I'm not even Catholic. But even if you are, you, we have a very clear command not to do that. One is your Father in heaven. What, is, what does this tell us? This Again, this is showing that access that we have to God. Where did that access come from? How did we get it? Through Jesus Christ. And so, to add someone in there, it is so wrong, and it's literally what they are doing in the Catholic world. Hebrews 3 one says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling... Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 4.14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And thank God we have a priest that was tempted like we are and understands what we are going through. Now, how Jesus faced all that, I don't know, but we know when He hung on the cross, He was bearing the sins of the whole world. So He understands what we're going through. You know what? When you're struggling in your marriage, that Catholic priest who's never been married, he can't understand what you're dealing with, can he? You know what? When you're struggling raising your kids, dealing with the challenges of being a parent, he doesn't know what that's like. I don't care how many people are calling him father. He doesn't know what it's like to be a father. And that's who you have to go to to get help and to confess your failures to? That doesn't make any sense. You know what? We have a high priest that gets what we're going through. We have a high priest that understands and our high priest too, you know, paid for our sins and loves us and to replace Jesus with a priest, an earthly priest, that's a sinner, that's probably a pedophile. What a horrible trade that is. What an absolutely horrible trade. So, we need, we've got to show this to Catholics. We've got something so much better. We need to teach them that to believe on Christ. Because they all believe in Christ. All Catholics believe in Jesus. They believe in the virgin birth. They believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. But, they are not trusting in that work to be saved. They believe He did all those things, but they also believe that they have to be a good person. And it's amazing how many people, they understand the death, burial, and resurrection, but yet they're not saved. And it's because they are not trusting in it. Romans 10.1 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. You know, a lot of Catholics, if you were to take God's name in vain in front of them, they might rebuke you. They have a zeal of God. I mean, boy, they, they've got pictures of them all over their house. 
You know, they've got statues of them in their front yard. You know, they've, they've got all that stuff. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. And I think that's one of the best ways too, to, instead of, you know, to show them how sinful they are, is to talk more about how righteous God is. That's a, I think that's the best way. But going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And that's what we've got to show them. That's what we've got to drive home. We've got to show them, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so right there, that's something we've got to, we've got to get across. We've got to show them. No, believing on Christ is not just believing that He existed. It's trusting in His work and not your own works. Because the whole context of for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, they call on Him every day. They call on Him every week. I was at a Catholic funeral one time and a lot of their prayers and chants that they all did, that they all repeated, that they all had memorized, some of them almost sounded like the sinner's prayer. There was, it was pretty close. If you show them a sinner's prayer on the back of that track, like, I've, I've done that thousands of times. And they probably have. But, you know what they've never done? They've never submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. They've never come to that realization that I'm not good enough, Jesus did it all, and I'm trusting completely in that. They've not done that. And we've got to get them to that point. We've got to get them to that point where they understand, no, I've got to trust completely in Him. There's a lot more Scripture. You, you guys know that if you've been soul for any length of time, you know the Scriptures on this stuff. You know that, but you've got to get that across to them because they do. They believe in Christ, but they're not believing on Christ. They are not trusting in His works to get them to heaven. We've got to get them there. But then the last thing is... You got to this because this is where the disconnect is. You got to show them that the Bible's a final authority. See, soul winners often get frustrated because when they give the gospel to a Catholic, they're showing them all this Bible. They're like, "No, I, I believe you have to have works too." Oh man, I'm going to nail them with Ephesians two eight and nine. Yes, you are going to nail them with Ephesians two eight and nine. But here's what you don't understand about Catholics many times: is when the Bible and the church conflict, the church is right. That's, that's, their, that's their way of thinking. That's foreign to us who practice and live by the Bible being the final authority. The Bible is supposed to settle the argument. If, if, if I get up here and I preach something that conflicts with the Bible, I need to fix my teaching because the Bible is the final authority. So we will, we'll show people all these verses. I showed them all these verses. doesn't matter how many you showed them. They don't see the Bible as the final authority. They see the church as the final authority. They have put their faith and trust in the church. And they will. They will often even concede. Yeah, the Bible does say that. But my priest. And that's, that's foreign to us. And it should be foreign to us. But you do have to understand, that's how they think. Now, they said the Catholics, uh, you know, they, their final authority is the church. Now, in Rock Falls, in the, if you look at the website for the Catholic Church here in Rock Falls, one of the things they have on there, on the Ten Commandments, and this, this blows our mind when we see stuff like this, but it says the Ten Commandments are more than simply rules and laws. They are a foundation of moral teaching and shape our obligations as Christians in relationship to God. 
The Ten Commandments were given to Moses by God on Mount Sinai and after being rescued by God from slavery in Egypt. These commandments are the expression and sign of the covenant between God and God's people and are just as powerful and binding as they were when they were written. Now, when I look at that, all of a sudden I think, wow, that's, they're giving the Ten Commandments a whole lot of authority. So what about their graven images? Because the Catholics are big on idolatry. They've got the graven images all over the place. But if you look on their website, it goes on and it shows you the Ten Commandments. And here's the Ten Commandments. It says, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no strange gods before me. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember, the holy, uh, remember to keep holy the Lord's day. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not desire your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's goods. Anybody notice the commandment missing? Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them. That's really going to mess them up if they, if they make a big deal of that command like they are all these other ones and everybody's walking in and doing their little things that they do before the statues and stuff. That's going to be a big problem. But you've got to have ten commandments because everybody knows there's ten. Anybody notice the one they put in there twice? Thou shalt not desire your neighbor's wife. Thou shalt not desire your neighbor's goods. Thou shalt not covet. That covers both of those. But they put it in there twice. Now we look at that and you want to show these to Catholics. Like, look what they, look what they did to the Ten Commandments. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. Well, this is what the Catholic Church has decided. And they literally changed the Ten Commandments. And notice what they did to the Sabbath day. Which is Sabbath day? To keep holy the Lord's day. They, they, they moved it to Sunday. You know, where do they get off doing that? <laughs> you know, now, that is, that's foreign to us because we see the Bible as a final authority. But you know what? They're the church. And, and so in the mind of the Catholic, yeah, they're the church. They can do that. The Pope can do these things. The Pope, uh, this is what it says on their website, as vicar of Jesus Christ, the Pope governs the Catholic church as its supreme head. That sounds like a title for Jesus. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like an antichrist. The Pope is bishop of Rome is the chief pastor and shepherd. 1 Peter 5 says Jesus is the chief shepherd. Folks, tell me the Pope is not the Antichrist. I, I get it, there's the Antichrist, but he is an Antichrist. There's no doubt about it. We believe that the Pope is the successor of Peter and his bishops are the successors of the twelve apostles. So, Webster's 1828 says vicar, uh, the, uh, the definition is, in a general sense, a person deputed or authorized to perform the functions of another, a substitute in office. And then it puts in here, Webster's 8.28, the Pope pretends to be the vicar of Christ on earth. He has under him a grand vicar who is a cardinal and whose jurisdiction extends all over all priests, regular and secular. So, folks, it's very clear what the Pope is claiming. And you know what? These people have accepted that. And, we, and we've got to show them where that's wrong because the Catholics have made, you know, they do put the Bible up on a pretty high pedestal. And a lot of times it can be very effective showing them just how far away they are from the Bible. But at the end of the day, in, in their minds, when those two things conflict, the church is right. And so when, when that happens, I believe what we need to do 
in that situation, when we find ourselves in that situation where they agree with you about what the Bible says, but they're choosing to follow a man-made system over the Bible, there's really nothing more you can do except pray that the Word of God will just have an effect in their heart. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You just got to pray that the Word of God will do something in their heart. Because the Word of God has the power to do things in the hearts of people where a pope can't do that. He can deceive, he can appeal to people's lusts, you know, like this current pope does. But they can't do what the Word of God does. And you know what? It always comes down to an attack on the Word of God. You know, and there are, there's many things we disagree with Catholics on, as well as many other religions. But the truth is, where our disagreements are really at, it's not with how to interpret certain Bible verses. Because anyone who understands the English language is going to side with us many times. But we've got to understand the people we're talking to have just as much faith in a system as we do in the Word of God. So this is what we have to do. Okay? You know, if, whether it's, maybe it's a Catholic family member you're trying to reach, a lot of times we might not have a whole lot of time to do this when we're talking to people at the door. But the Word of God, here's the great thing about the Word of God, it can, it can stand up to scrutiny. You know, people can challenge the Bible all they want. They're not going to find any flaws in it. But let me tell you something. The Catholic Church, it can't handle scrutiny. Their popes can't handle scrutiny. They're priests. I mean, look, and one of the things that's gotten a lot of people out of the Catholic Church is all the cover-ups and all the sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. Why is that happening? You know why? Because it's a man-made, flawed system, and it can't handle, handle scrutiny. Their history is bad. People understand the Inquisitions and all those things were bad. The Catholic Church is probably the most bloody religion on the world. It might even be more bloody than Islam. I don't know. There's probably a good contest between those two. And it can't handle scrutiny. And so we do. We have, to, we have to show people that, hey, it's God's Word versus the Catholic Church. Look into them. Read the Bible. It can handle the scrutiny. The Catholic Church cannot. But it is important because I, I, I see people's frustration and I get it a lot. It's like, I showed them so much Bible. But it's not the authority in their world. It's, it's, the, it's the Catholic Church. And so, you know, and, and again, you know, I, don't, I don't think we need to be offensive. You know, I don't think it's, I don't know that it's, you know, beneficial to just go saying, you know, extreme things about the Catholic Church, talking about Pope calls himself Papa, dresses like Mama, wearing, you know, stuff. I mean, you know, we have fun with some of that stuff. But at the, at the end of the day, you know, just sincerely challenge them. Say, hey, look, you know, why don't you study the history of the popes? Why don't you look into that pope whose son was also a pope? How, do, how does that work? How do you have a father and son when a pope's supposed to be celibate? They're popes. You know, why, don't you look at some of, why don't you look at the vast differences that there have been from pope to pope? If they are all holy and all these things, shouldn't there be some consistency with these guys? But this last Pope that we have, I mean, look at all the stuff that he's promoting. And here's, here's the thing too. One of the reasons a lot of people are turning away from the Catholic Church is we still have a natural disgust and a universal disgust for pedophiles. You know, thankfully, 
we haven't got there yet where people think that's normal. Okay? And, and understand, there's people trying. If I ever hear anyone say, minor attracted person, I'm marking you in my mind. I'm never going to let you around my kids. You know? And even the word pedophile, I don't think it necessarily was originally meant to be so negative. But yet it's become negative because everybody's disgusted by it. And, and you know, so the thing is, you, it's good to point these things out to people so they can see just how flawed it is. Where you don't find that with Jesus Christ. You don't find that with the Word of God. There's nothing corrupt. And we are, we are born again, not of corruptible seed, which is flesh, but of incorruptible by the Word of God. And you know what? It might be good to mark some verses in your Bible about the Word of God and about how important it is. The Bible says in Psalm 12, 6, The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The Word of God is still pure. It still stands. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, But He answered, said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Psalm 138.2 says, I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Matthew 5.18 says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. God sees His word is very important. And we have to have it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And I'm telling you right now, so most Catholics do have a pretty high regard for the Word of God. And I think the more differences that you can show people from the Word of God and the system, the more it's going to have an effect on them. And, and, uh, and some are going to decide with the church. We're not going to win them all. We're not going to win all. But you know what? We're going to win some. And we have won some. I, I was excited getting the one saved last Sunday. And we're going, to, we're going to keep on doing it. And so it's very important that we understand these things. We're ready to present these things because when you go out soul winning, chances are around here you're going to talk to a Catholic. And these are the things that we're up against. And so in the next weeks we'll talk about some of the other groups that we're going to come in contact with a lot. It's always the same gospel, but it's not always the same hang-ups. And we want to that, use that valuable time dealing with those hang-ups that they have so they can be saved. So with that, let's pray to your Lord. I thank you so much for uh, just your your word, uh, the system that we have. Lord, I'm thankful I don't have to confess my sins to some man here on this earth. I'm thankful I can go directly to you with any need uh, at any time. And Lord, I pray you'll help us as we uh, as we go soaring. You'll help us to have the wisdom and to show people what they need to understand, to deal with the hang-ups and things that they have. Lord, it is, it's, it's heartbreaking to watch sincere people who are just deceived by a wicked system. I pray it will help us to just shine the light uh, on the errors of the Catholic Church. And I pray that we can rescue as many people as we can from that system. In your name we pray. Amen.